What's going on, Austin uh, surrounding areas? Yo, wherever you at, internet. I hope you're doing well. This is the Grapevine. Yo, as always, I am Giannis Banks, and I am here with my fantastic co-host extraordinaire, Miss Nikki Wooding. How are you? Extraordinaire. Oh my goodness, don't make me blush, but I am, and thank you, and I'm doing good. <laughs> How are you? I should put humble in front of your name next time. I don't know. Uh, yeah. Ouch! <laughs> well, yes, that would work though. Yeah. <laughs> She's so humble. I am. Uh, I'm. I'm good. Getting ready for this. I guess this weekend that's coming up, right? Ah, uh, yeah. It's pre-Friday. Yay! Yeah. Yay. Pre-Friday. Yeah. I'm on, uh, on Friday, Friday. Uh, okay. Yeah, pre-Friday doesn't do anything for me normally because it's like, oh, pre-Friday? Mm-hmm. Let's see how many meetings we can have. I know, right? Friday. I know. Yeah. That's kill. Cool. <laughs> yeah. If you're listening to us, we're glad you're listening. Yes, uh, we are. There's multiple ways you can do this. Of course, if you listen to the radio station, congratulations. We're glad you're here. Uh, well, you can also catch us streaming on TuneIn app. Just type in KZI, that comes up. And of course, if you're already on the TuneIn app, if you type in the Great Bond Talk, you will get the podcast. Mm-hmm. Full podcast. This is just a kind of a snippet of what we do. The whole shebang bang Right. You'll get that whole thing. <laughs> and if you're not on TuneIn, mm-hmm. we got you covered. You can go to Podbean, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, FM Player, Pandora, Listen Notes, Apple Podcasts. Bruh, this is a lot. Which is fine. But you know what's happening this weekend? What's that? Election. They are. They're happening this weekend. It was early voting earlier, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so you didn't get out in early voting. This weekend is your time to go out to vote, depending on where you live. Right. There are some constitutional, some state propositions on the ballot. So that should be everybody. Correct. So you want to at least do that. And then depending on your municipality, you would have either elected officials mm-hmm. or some local propositions. So go out there and have your voice heard. Yes, some cities are voting for mayors, but across the state, we will have the opportunity to, I guess, amend some things. Maybe. Yeah. There's two property tax amendments is what's going on with the Constitution. Mm -hmm. And then locally, it just depends where you are. I know in Austin, just the criminalizing marijuana actually is on Mm -hmm. the ballot. Mm -hmm. Just depends where you are. Look, shout out to my boy. I know he's running his race for mayor, so hopefully he wins again. Mm -hmm. Good luck. Good luck to all the candidates that are running out there and different propositions we'll see what they do but it always gets hot and heated during election season doesn't it (laughs) and now it's actually going to be hot on saturday when you're going out to vote we're supposed to hit triple digits for the first time this year which i'm not looking that forward to me neither i'm not i'm not ready i thought we had a couple more months until this happened but clearly we don't no welcome to texas where the summers just don't know what it wants to do uh it's gonna be a little hot but if you need to get out the house there will be the pecan street festival which of course happens twice a year wait hold up what do you mean if we need to get out the house we need to be in the house it's about to be 100 degrees some folks can't stand to be in the house with the people they're with and well, I mean, it was a couple of hours during the pandemic. I mean, we went through a whole two-year pandemic. It's hot. Right. Well, they may want to be like, I need, I got to go do something. I, I gotta go. But do they have like a virtual version? No, <laughs> no virtual, but it'll be food and music and vendors 
and, and whatnot. So oh, okay. downtown on, of course, Sixth Street. Any music? Any anybody we know? Well, I've always been a fan of, of the Peterson Brothers. Okay. Which is a, a blues band. Mm-mm. I used to be able to say these some young cats. I think when they first started playing, they were like 10 or 11 or something. Mm-hmm. I don't even want to say how old they are now because that's going to just make me feel so much older. Truth so, hurts. Yeah, it does. So okay. I know they're going to be out there <laughs> and, you know, may find you an interesting band. Hey, we both getting old. I don't know what you're talking about. So, okay. Yeah. Um, gee, if you want to get out to the pecan, you can and see what's happening, get, getting the chance just to be out and about. So, okay. Have some fun. Yeah. But don't Do you know how much I enjoy doing this show? Oh, I know. I will say (laughs) this. Okay, I'm just like. (laughs) Don't be like me if you go out and about, wear some sunblock. Because I didn't last Saturday, and I was reminded how black people can get sunburned. Wait, you got sunburned for real? I thought you were joking. You haven't looked at my face to see how I've been peeling. And you are not. Maybe I wiped it off so you can't see, but okay. I see my two tones. Yeah, and I remember it was my face was hot and my arm was hot. Even when I blew, had the AC on my arm, and my arm just was hot. So yeah, put some sunblock on if you're going to be out and about, because we get burnt too. And it's going to be so hot that potentially the power grid might be pushed to the brink again this weekend. It happens when it gets hot. And cold. And cold. Let's not forget. Oh, I won't forget. Okay. I think there's a lot of people who won't forget the cold. All right. It had happened more times in the summer than it did the time it shut down. There's been rolling blackouts during the summer. Now, I know ERCOT is saying they're trying to do something to so that doesn't happen, but they're expecting to be a lot more energy being used, of course, because it's 100 degrees outside and they're planning for or capable of. Well, this heat wave, if you want to call it, is one of the hottest on record. So that's why they're saying that we have a lot of people that came here to the state and they're going to have to push it close to one of its limits. Mm-hmm. So this ought to be an interesting weekend. It might feel like outside, inside. Yeah. <laughs> it might be a good time to get out. <laughs> it might be hotter in, in the house. But Listen, okay. Yeah, I know, like I said, they're going to try to talk to some of the which is weird. Like, they had some maintenance mm-hmm. that the companies were going to do. Right. Like, oh, we'll tell them to hold off on that. Well, ain't they doing the maintenance for a reason? Anyway. That's I, true. It may be hot this weekend. There may be rolling blackouts. I would keep an eye on your the news channel and, of course, your social media channels because they will post it on Twitter and Facebook and whatnot. And mm-hmm. Hopefully, there won't be any rolling blackouts. Yeah, and also, right now is a good time to download your apps to your electric company. Some of them have them, and you can actually see what outages are going on and in what areas in real time. So that might help you to plan ahead if there's something that's happening nearby or to also know that if there is a blackout when they plan to restore service. So that's another little tip for you as we go into the weekend. Yeah, and turn off any lights you ain't got to use. So True. Okay, in Texas, we have some always something going on. But this issue is outside of Houston in East Bernard, Texas. You know, have you heard of that city? No. No, never heard of it? Okay, so it's 50 miles outside of Houston. Their independent school district, East Bernard ISD, they have a policy that bans students from wearing braids or twists in their hair. And a black student, his name is 
Dyre Williams, 17 years old. He has not been able to attend classes because of his hair. The school policy states that boys' hair may not be extended below the eyebrows, below the top of the ears, or below a conventional stand-up t-shirt collar, and must not be more than one inch difference in the length of the hair on the side of the length of the hair on top. What? They gave like this whole definition. I think they also included that you can't have braids, twists. Guys can't. Guys can't have cornrows or twists or braids, yeah. So basically you gave a definition of like the short kind of crew is it called crew cut i don't know the barber names what are they called the the shag the, even that would be too long i guess right yeah they want you just to be low cut basically the low cut okay it is like <laughs> and, but it also you can see how it's attacking black culture oh yeah it's definitely yeah. tailored against us right where we've seen and we, we brought this story up because this is just one of them Right. right. It's been ongoing and there's been too many discussions about the Crown Act. There's a national one. There's one that was trying to get done in Texas. Mm-hmm. Uh, the national one is in the Senate, mm-hmm. waiting for the Senate to do whatever the Senate does. You know, whatever. But it continues to show how it, it's just another attack on black bodies in a way where you can't be you or you being how traditional hairstyles for us. Mm-hmm. I guess it, it's distracting or it's not business appropriate or whatever. And that has nothing to do with the education he's getting or trying to get. Well, right now he's being homeschooled by his mother mm-hmm. because he's not able to attend these classes at school. The school is basically telling him to cut his hair and he can come on back. That's what the school has said and that they open enrollment to anyone. And However, they refer to the handbook policy. The mom actually filed for a religious exemption on behalf of her son and the district superintendent said no. So I don't know whether they are looking to take this to court to see if there is some type of discrimination. The ACLU of Texas, they have issued a statement saying they feel that it's discrimination, not only racial, but gender discrimination. And its policy is unconstitutional and violates Title IX. So we will see if this does end up in court. We'll update you in a legal minute. The Texas Legislative Black Caucus has also put out statements and sent a letter letter in support. Right. And I think it's just part of that ongoing conversation of black folks' hair and how it's, it's not a distraction and it shouldn't matter how it looks. It shouldn't be a thing of you can't have this job or you can't go to school. Right. Let's remind people, like you said earlier, this isn't the first time out here in Texas this has happened. So we have DeAndre Arnold that this happened to out in Barbers Hill High School in Mount Blue, Texas. That's east of Houston as well. He wasn't able to attend his prom and they even claimed that if he didn't cut off his dreadlocks, he couldn't graduate. He had to end up fighting that in court in order to get him to walk the stage. So this is a really serious issue out here for our young black men in Texas. And we need to make sure that we stand up for them and other people outside of the culture. Understand that this is a part of our culture. This doesn't mean that anybody's a thug or mean that they're a bad person or a troublemaker or anything else. This just is a part of our culture and should just be respected as such. Just a natural hairstyle. Right. Put any chemicals or anything to get these, get for the hair to go that way. When I worked in New Braunfels, just wearing my afro 
people, people walk up to me and say, how do you get your hair to be up like that? Like I picked it. So you didn't put any chemicals or no mousse or spray in your hair? So I wonder with this school district, if they were to have like a big afro, like a ludicrous afro, like a big, big, big one. Probably have to cut it. Why? Because it's not below the ears. It doesn't hit the collar and it meets all the requirements. Uh, I thought they had a height requirement too though, didn't they? Had a height. Oh, well, the one inch thing. Yeah. Mm. That, so it breaks that. Is it one inch curly, one inch straight? It ain't going to matter to them. You know that. Well, I know, but it has to matter. It can't be that vague. <laughs> mm. I'm just saying. I just... just just, mm. It's all the same. <laughs> well, okay. Moving a along. Let's talk about the subject that you definitely wanted to keep on people's. And I'm glad we get to move this early in the show. Oh, my goodness. So, Brittany Griner. She is a WNBA player, former basketball player at Baylor University. Wife, mother, and is currently detained in Russia and has been so for 77 days as of today. Her detainment was recently reclassified as wrongfully detained. The reason for the reclassification by the U.S. has not been released to the public yet. However, why does this matter? She was pre- well, I don't know what she was previously classified as, but now that she's classified as wrongfully detained, it means that the government will no longer wait for Brittany Griner's case in Russia to play out and will seek to negotiate her return. It also means that Griner's fellow NBA players and supporters in Congress, they can use their platforms to bring as much attention to her case as they wish. Mm -hmm. So previously, remember like a week or two ago, I was just saying we don't hear much about it. It was because of the classification of her detainment and the fact that there were limitations to the amount of public attention that the government wanted to bring to the case to proceed of how they were going to bring her home. Right. Also, a new negotiator is on the case. His name is Bill Richardson. He's agreed to work on Griner's case just last week. And experts are saying that his involvement could be a crucial sign that her case has moved to a new realm. Bill has negotiated the release of many people. Mm -hmm. He was the former governor of New Mexico. Mm -hmm. I believe he he was a diplomat as well during the Obama administration, if I remember correctly. So he has the experience. And so, yeah, it's definitely a good thing that he's involved. And hopefully they can get something worked out. with with getting her home and of course they're focused on her and there's still another American over there as well that, that they're working on also. Right. Speaking of Brittany, she is coming off an MVP caliber season. She was ranked second in the WNBA for scoring and even made it to the WNBA finals. Uh, she's accomplished. She's accomplished a lot here. The WNBA is going as far as having her initials and her number alongside the WNBA logo until she is released. Mm-hmm. I think that this is a great opportunity for us to make sure that our listeners keep Brittany and the other Americans that are detained in their thoughts and their prayers. Now is the opportunity to continue to speak out and use your voice to bring Brittany home. Yeah, we'll keep we keep an eye on this and see how this goes. Right. How it works out, what can become out of the case. So good luck to those involved. It's going to take a lot of work. Yeah. It's, it's going to be a large task. So, yeah. Um, yeah. I'm going to watch the game this weekend. I think they kick off this. Who is they? Oh, I'm sorry. The WNBA. Okay. I think on Friday, they're kicking off their first 
home game or something like that, Mm -hmm. I am going to go check it out just to bring some ratings because I know that the WNBA has been committed to helping pull resources for her. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm going to help support. Yeah, well. Every rating counts, right? It does. That's revenue for for the league, and that's part of the conversation of paying them more, right? Correct. Equal pay for them. Correct. Speaking of coming home, Russia says they're pulling out the space station due to the sanctions that has been placed on Russia and some of their allies or some of Putin's allies. So are they saying they're too broke to make it to the space station? No. I I think there is part of their retaliation. Mm. Uh, The head of the space agency last Saturday said it would leave. Okay. uh, And said this has been decided. Okay. And it's not up for conversation. Okay. Now, they said they are not obliged to talk about it publicly. (laughs) That's weird. But he said he can say this in accordance to their obligations. We will inform our partners about the end of our work at Mm -hmm. the ISS with a year's notice. And their control right now where the station goes. Mm-hmm. how it moves up there so I know there's going to be a lot of stuff to be worked out that space station had kind of been a, the one thing that major countries could kind of work together on you know US and Russia even though we don't see eye to eye that was the one place where alright we're up there we're working at our astronauts we're going up there via Russian rockets and I think now Elon Musk group they've flown up a few as well it's going to be figuring out I guess the logistics of that who's going to control the movement of the space station and what's going to happen next yeah but then this fight between ukraine and russia u.s senior officials have said that they have not detected any overt chinese military and economic support which is to russia which is good development for the u.s just being the fact that china hasn't entered to support russia and provide any more resources because it would definitely be a lot uglier Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's time to get into this scandal uh, that is rocking Washington, D.C. It's rocking the world. Oh, no. So, if you haven't heard, a draft opinion was published Monday evening mm-hmm. by Politico and was later authenticated by the court. Mm-hmm. And in it, Justice Alito, because he's the one to author the opinion, says that Roe v. Wade was egregiously wrong from the start and must be overruled. And it appears from him drafting the court opinion that they would be voting to overturn Roe v. Wade. The justices that make up the majority that are overturning Roe v. Wade Mm -hmm. are Samuel Alito, Mm -hmm. Clarence Thomas, Mm -hmm. Neil Gorsh, Brett Kavanaugh, and Amy Coney Barrett. Mm -hmm. So if you notice, those are three of Trump's appointees. Of course, this is why voting matters. Chief Justice Roberts has directed the marshal of the court to launch an investigation as to the leak of this draft opinion for clarification, leaks of government documents versus it being a classified document. It's very different. So the leaking of classified information may resort to criminal prosecution, for instance. However, the leak of this opinion, which is not deemed classified, wouldn't need the Justice Department or any law enforcement to intervene with the investigation. As you know, this hasn't been published yet, so they're probably interviewing folks at Politico as we speak to find out their source and where they got this information from. In response to this, it's been a lot of emotion and opinion that's out there of how this is going to roll out to the states. Does that mean that the states will dictate these rights? 
-hmm. and what that will look like according to states, especially with the Bible Belt states or Rust Belt states. And even like a city like here, Austin, where we have a lot of people that have moved here to the city and a state that has already shown with Governor Abbott that he doesn't necessarily agree with abortion rights and he's against them. How does that play out with people shifting across the country? Lieutenant Governor Patrick has come out and made his statement about how this ruling goes forward, plans for what Texas plans to do. And yeah, it will be up to the states. It looks like if this ruling is true, each individual state will have their different laws. Right. Which could be confusing in itself. Mm -hmm. It's interesting because you have the senator from Alaska, uh, Murkowski. Mm -hmm. She was doing her interview and she, of course, voted to get those three justices from Trump onto the Supreme Court. I think even though folks had questions about what would happen, and this is one of the questions, and she, and it's not a direct quote, but basically she was saying that, you know, if she finds out that they are going along with this, opinion that is definitely different from the conversation that she had with those three justices. Oh, really? Yeah. Mm. There's been protests and marches and demonstrations happening this week from this folks got mobilized quick. Right. You had Vice President. She's made her statement. President Biden has made his statement. They're even trying to look into options in the legislative branch as well, seeing if they can get a carve-out for abortion rights into law. A bill has passed the House mm -hmm. that would do that, but it failed already in the Senate. And Joe Manchin, he reaffirmed on Tuesday that he would not support Nixon the filibuster for any legislation. Mm -hmm. I don't know. The Senate will be voting on the bill next week. We'll see. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm not going to put my faith into it, but we'll see. I don't think you're going to see any Republican defectors voting to have this bill come up to be debated. There's been a lot of people passionate on both sides for this story about what's happening. Vice President Harris, she called it an attack on women's rights. It is. And ultimately an attack on democracy. There's folks who have echoed that. And this is one of those subjects where folks will get heated and understandably so. Understandably. I, I think this is one of the situations where you also have to consider the effects of this. Mm -hmm. In a society today where raising children is a lot more expensive. Mm -hmm. In a society today where women are expected to work and sometimes be the sole provider for children and to not have the decision on if I want to take on that type of obligation, no matter how it happens, right. it's definitely concerning. And with a heavy heart, I have to think of how people are going to go about getting the results that they could have had with the doctor. Probably back to back alley. Mm -hmm. On Tuesday, you had a lot of representatives who were telling their story mm -hmm. of, of abortions they've gotten and, and what that was like. And it's definitely a personal issue mm -hmm. um, with folks. It's from talking to some people, I can tell you that it's not anything I've seen people take lightly, right? Mm -hmm. I know how they paint this as you know, folks are just out there aborting babies left and right for fun. And there's, I don't think there's anybody or hardly anybody who's doing that. What will come from this? I don't know. Will this energize some people to come out to vote on both sides or on one side in particular because of this ruling where they like, we want to change, like you said, they want to codify and put it in law. Well, just a, that's just a carve-out. So that probably is a carve-out for specific instances mm -hmm. that would enable women to obtain an abortion. 
Right. But I wouldn't necessarily think it would be a carve out as far as how far along they have to be or anything like that in general. Dang. I think it would be just limited to the carve out for those in particular situations like incest, rape, and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. I could see them adding. Oh, they'll definitely have to, a limit right. on when it can happen. Yeah. But I mean, I'm just saying that there, it's not a generalized limit for right. any woman. Right. Again. Yeah. Will this drive out bases on both sides of people who weren't going to participate in the midterms? Is this going to be their issue that gets them fired up one way or the other? One major conversation that's happening is the politicization of the Supreme Court. And to think that someone that came to America a couple of years ago is now in a different America because of a president. And if you think about it, when I say because of a president, because we have three justices that came on the Supreme Court under one, Mm -hmm. you can see how extreme and how laws can change in one term. Sure. I think there's a lot of folks have seen this or have said it's been politicized since the Bush selection. And I, I say selection because that was his, his first election mm-hmm. against Gore. And it came down to the Supreme Court and they punted. And right. like, they go, we'll just pick Bush. When in all actuality, they probably shouldn't have. So folks have been having their doubts and even just dealing with different cases or what have you going towards the Supreme Court. I think the one thing, how it used to be, was that, okay, you know you have four this way, four that way. And there's the one both sides were fighting against. Mm-hmm. And yeah, now these are the consequences of elections. When you say they're all the same, when it comes to selecting judges and justices, there's a difference. Now, I won't even say there's maybe a difference. There's a difference. And depending on, on who you are or your political beliefs, this is either a great thing or a terrible thing. And we talk a lot about emotions when it comes to coming out to vote, right? Right. This is bringing out all kinds of emotions from people. It is. And you're seeing it on the pro-choice side. Uh, the emotions, the passion, the energy, and some of them are, are trying to put it to good use of, if this is what's going to happen, we're going to go get folks to come out and vote and try to change people in office. Right. How this energy is you, that's to be seen. If you're into political theater, it's going to be political theater to see what's going to happen with the elections coming up and questions being asked to the different candidates and what's going to be the hot button issues. Yeah. Is this going to trump economy issues for a lot of people? Because there's folks who the economy is their number one, but this could do it. This could bump the economy out of some people number one. And if you're running for office, this is something you're going to have to address. Yep, you're going to have to. I guess it's time for a legal minute. You ready? Yeah, go for it. All right. There's currently a lawsuit going on in regards to the Tulsa race massacre. A lawsuit was filed in March 2021, and they scored a major victory to allow the case to proceed forward so the survivors and descendants and victims from the massacre could have their day in court and get their last chance to get some semblance of justice. This lawsuit is in regards to what took place between May 31st and June 1st, 1921. If you don't know, you know, here's a quick history lesson that there was a city called Tulsa, Oklahoma, and in that area was one of the richest black areas in the United States. And a mob laid waste to about 35 blocks 
within 16 hours, arresting thousands of Black residents while robbing, beating, and killing others. There's many movies that have been made in regards to this unfortunate incident. It's been on television shows and details of that nature. Now, the issue is that a lot of the survivors of the massacre are now old. They're over 100 years old, to be exact. One of the survivors is 100-year-old Hughes Van Ellis, as well as Viola Fletcher and Leslie Randall, who are both 107 years old. The lawsuit is looking to officially declare that the actions of May 31st and June 1st, 1921, and the century that followed, created a public nuisance for the plaintiffs and their descendants, as defined by Oklahoma law. So also exacerbating matters were that insurance companies they denied many of the claims that today would be tens of millions of dollars in property damage, including the destruction of two black hospitals and 1,256 residences. There's still no hospital in North Tulsa today. It has been 101 years since the hospital was torn down or damaged and destructed by this mob, and it has never been rebuilt. Just think about what Greenwood, that community, first of all, had lost and just missing out on just medical care. So that's what they're saying, I guess, for the century that followed, is that they were not provided any medical care to that extent again. They are trying to push this case forward because the plaintiffs in this case are of age and it's happened before that other plaintiffs that were listed have passed on and had to be removed from the case. Mm -hmm. So they're hoping that these last survivors will be able to continue to the end. And just let people know the defendants in the case, which include the Board uh, of County Commissioners and Tulsa Metropolitan Area Planning Commission, their arguments of of, against this is, I would call it offensive at at the very least. You know what? And I'm I'm glad you brought that. I excluded it because I was just so annoyed by that. But go ahead. It needs to be known, right? Right. Very least, you would call this offensive, and that's just being nice. Nice. They say the case lacks standing because they have not proven they suffered concrete personal injury, and that their alleged injuries, alleged injuries, alleged, could not be remedied by the court. Wow. What a slap in the face. It is. I'm sure some of the defenders are a part of the group of never forget, uh, uh, unless it's certain things, right? Because this they want you to forget and, and not even know about the tragedy that happened there. And yeah, I hope the families and, and those three survivors can get some kind of justice, especially before those three survivors pass on. Right. So my other case that I wanted to bring up is a case out in Durham, North Carolina. It's a guy named Daryl Howard. He is trying to take on a legal battle with the city in regards to his wrongful conviction. He was actually granted $6 million in a lawsuit by a federal jury in December due to his conviction and him being sentenced for 80 years for the murders of a mother and daughter in 1995. He was exonerated in 2006 after the state appealed a judge's decision to vacate his conviction. Again, let me say that again, the state appealed the judge's decision. Now, the reason why it was overturned is the issue. There was a investigator assigned to the case by the name of Dowdy, who obtained false statements from witnesses. He also added details to their statements to make them more quote unquote believable. It's said by the Durham City Attorney, Kimberly Rayburn, that the former detective did not perform his duties in good faith and states that the law and a city revolution forbid Durham from using public funds to cover the verdict. Now, they're saying that due to Dowdy, him, of course, not being a 
studious investigator and using backhanded means in order to get witnesses and things of that nature. Although that is wrong, the state can't be liable to pay for the verdict that Howard had already received. Not only has he had spent some time in jail, now that he's out and trying to get compensation for him being in jail, the city is saying no. What some legal scholars are saying is that the only way that Howard can get this case overturned is to maybe say that the city somehow failed to train the investigator properly, they failed to do proper checkup on his performance, or there is some negligence by the city in order to say that the city of Durham is involved and to get them involved in the payout. Other than that, they would have to go into Dowdy, the investigator's pension, because he's no longer working, and try to retrieve the money from him, but he's not gonna make anywhere near the amount they're looking for. Right. So what do you do? Like, that's just crazy. Right. You have it's like he's running in circles. He is. You have a state law that's not in his favor. And I know they're saying this is the first time the city of Durham has acted this way, not paid somebody who's in this situation. I mean, who's really trading in 25 years in prison for $6 million? Nobody. Right. They asked for 48. Is what right. But I mean, for them to make it seem like, oh my gosh, this is breaking the bank and y'all just paid $4 million for this guy's attorneys that was wrong in the first place. Mm-hmm. And then now you won't even shell out six million for when you know you're wrong and the judge is ordering somebody to pay it. Yeah. Like just get it off your books and be done. That's like one percent of their budget. They buy. Right. I, yeah. I just think they are just making this into an issue that doesn't have to be. Yeah, yeah. This should be look, y'all were wrong. He spent twenty three years of his life that he can't get back. Yeah. And y'all fighting over paying him $6 million and wants him to go run around. But continuing to pay the pension of the man who did wrong. Right. And the attorney's fees. Yeah, and I know they did say they're going to go after his house and whatnot to recoup some stuff. This is the way it has to go. But Durham, I hope y'all do right by this man and quit this mess. That ends my legal minute. Uh And I am going to go on to your story about... The PhDs in the NFL? Yeah, man. They were looking for PhDs in the NFL. Who would have thought, right? Mm. Uh, unfortunately, it's not the PhD that you're thinking of. Mm-hmm. And this was said by a, a scout for the Chicago Bears. Mm-hmm. This wasn't behind the scenes. This was like out in the open. He gave this interview. PhD, poor, hungry, and desperate. That is what the scout for the Bears the national guy. His name is Chris Prescott. He was talking about the team's second-round pick, Jaquan Brisker. Oh. He said he is, what will we call it? PhD. Poor, hungry, and desperate. Ouch. Football is his life. This is the kid's life. There's a lot to like about that when you see a guy who's so passionate about football. So you have taken away this young man's identity. And you, the way I, I, I read what he's saying, he doesn't see him as a person, as an outstanding young man, or you say you want somebody who is a stand-up for this community. No, you're looking for poor, hungry, and desperate. And I think that those three words, putting those together, is the same way you describe an animal at the shelter. Poor, yeah. hungry, and desperate. And I think that's why people are up in arms about it, because constantly athletes, specifically black athletes, are compared to animals. Animals and are only highlighted for their athleticism 
versus anything else they provide to the sport, community, or organization that they become a part of. Mm -hmm. And it is frustrating to constantly see our players dehumanized and looked at for their physical stature or being the fact that they're coming from the bottom and now they're here type right. of story. And we're more than that. Right. There's more of a diverse pool of black athletes that don't come from a poor, hungry, and desperate situation. And they just have a passion. Yeah. And that's okay. I don't think that somebody that's not necessarily poor, that's not necessarily hungry, that's not necessarily desperate, does that equate to they don't necessarily need to be in the league. For him to make that statement, it just highlights the the difference mm -hmm. on how they see black and other athletes. Yeah. It magnifies what Colin has said about the combine, how they poke and prod at you and how you looked at. And there's been other players that's talked about how the NFL is, is basically modern day slavery. And they've come out and said, yeah, don't get me wrong, we get paid a lot of money, but there's a sense of shut up and play that this is entertainment for other people. And then we go out in public, we're like zoo animals. We're not human beings. Right. If this guy who, I called him a former scout, but I think at the time he was a scout. Because he's no longer with them now. Right. All of a sudden. And, and the Bears have said, oh, he's not with us anymore. And people can't find out, or they haven't found out as of yet, if he's not with them as the regular turnover after the draft mm -hmm. that happens, or is it because of these statements? But the shocking thing is that he felt so comfortable to say this in public. Imagine what he says behind closed doors. Right. He said this like, it's nothing, right? Right. A lot of us love fo watch football, play football, what have you, whatever, and enjoy the game, whether or even playing the video games. But it's just, yeah, it's showing them how, like you were saying, it they don't see them as human beings, they don't. individuals, as people, as somebody's kid, as somebody's father, somebody's son, somebody's uncle, somebody's brother. They are collateral and cattle. Yeah, when you we can just, you know chew you up and spit you out. And there's been on Twitter, of course, there's been current NFL players who commented on these comments made by him as well. Mm -hmm. And they've kind of echoed the sentiment that a lot of people have been saying about what this looks like and sounds like and what it is, not even looking like, right? right. What this is. The league, they've been quiet. I know it's a Bears issue, I guess, but this is something that kind of highlights lawsuits that the league has against them. This attitude, right? This is not just from the owner. Look at how the scouts are looking at up-and-coming players. They see you as basically me. Yeah, well, taking it to the college sports, it seems that the Miami Hurricanes are going through some things with their NIL situation. Well, to remind people, NIL is their name, image, likeness that the NCAA has now allowed athletes to be able to monetize while in college. However, it seems like Isaiah Wong, he's going to enter the transfer portal if the compensation isn't increased. Yeah. Go ahead. No, yeah. I mean, he, he said I was a starting team. I led y'all in the March Madness. Hmm. And incoming players are getting more than me. I will transfer out. And, of course, he's going through the draft process as well in case he gets drafted. But he's like, yo, yeah, I'm out unless you give me more money. Right. We brought this one up because there's him. There's receivers at UT right down the street. Mm -hmm. They turned down seven figures to transfer to another Power 5 program. 
Wow. This is the money that's being tossed around out there now in college sports, right? Right. Seven figures. That's some... Right. <laughs> I might have changed schools. This is also digging deeper into how now boosters, what role are they now going to play and getting this done? Because, of course, for like for the young man at Miami, it was a booster who was doing that that sets up the fund to pay the, the students, right? These athletes. Mm-hmm. And it's the same at other schools where you have boosters creating, I guess, companies or what have you to pay these athletes to come play and they've come out and said that what i've learned is that everybody's doing it wow and this is from hugh hatchcock he's an auto industry innovator he's worth half a billion dollars Whoa. he got money okay he started a collective at the university of florida called the gator guard mm-hmm. by donating one million of his own money to wow he's worth half a billion anyway he says the landscape is if we florida fans don't get the money we're going to lose players no matter how well a kid likes florida if a school comes in at the last minute and says we're going to pay you $100,000 and we have $10,000, they are gone. Mm. And it is changing, this NIL is changing the landscape of college sports. Where that goes, no one knows. You know, I'm saying, hey, get your money because they're going to spit you up and chew you out when they're done anyway. And some of them may not even make it to the league. But this does bring up the question too, though, of are you going to have students hopping around or if they don't get their way, do they say, hey, give me more money or I'm transferring out? Yeah. Wouldn't you advise if you were an agent advise your client to go where the money is at this point what only one percent of players make it into the nba or into the nfl or Mm. um into these leagues so why not try to make as much money as you can right now and then if you have enough talent you'll get there if not at least you have something to rely on look like i said get your money I know if it gets too wild, the NCAA is going to NCAA. Right, but to what extent can they control that part at this point? Because they're creating their own business entities. Mm-hmm. So then the NCAA is going to have to require an audit of all these companies to say who's a part of it and what this company does. I mean, if they want to go as far as that to make the schools report that, then hey, well, that could be. They formed a committee, Big Money Boosters, a task force for that, and looks like they're looking to see what sanctions and rules that they can put in on this to try to curb that. This is with anything. You're doing something new, uh-huh. you go as far as you can go with it. See see what the limit is, right? Uh-huh. You want to push it to the limit, as they say. And maybe the limit is hit, and folks are like, okay, we got to bring this in some. I don't know what that's going to look like. Right. When you swing the pendulum too far one way, when they try to correct it, they normally go too far the other way, right? So what this is going to end up looking like, there's a draft guidelines that's being circulated in Phoenix this week in front of 200 administrators and coaches from at least four conferences, and I guess we will see. Get your money while you can, kids. Yeah, because they're going to do something. Yeah. Okay, can you explain what's going on with Cat Williams? I don't understand. Yeah, he, he was on Joe Budden's podcast. Right. And they were talking. Uh-huh. As you do on a podcast, right? You can't just sit there. Hey, we're doing that now. Exactly. Okay. And he... I, I guess the cancel culture came up because okay. a lot of comedians said they're scared to tell certain jokes or worry about being canceled. Mm-hmm. Cat Williams says that if you are impacted by cancel culture, you want funny to begin with. Mm. And he says there's no such thing as cancel culture. As that quote is, people weren't all that funny when they could say whatever they wanted to say. Mm. At the end of the day, there is no cancel culture. I mean, he said this before, so this yeah. is not like the first time he said something like this. But I mean, there has been people that have been canceled, and are they really though? Were they funny? No. Yeah, well, 
Nat missed. But folks right. who have been funny and they've tried to cancel, they survive. Boo. So I think maybe what he's saying was cancel culture may be their excuse to have left the industry. It's the go-to boogeyman. Okay. Of I can't make it because y'all, I'm too raw, too edgy. Y'all canceled me. Nah, man, you just want funny, right? I think that if you were raw and edgy, we would have kept up with you. Right. Chappelle is the classic example of... Right. Push it and... But it's so much easier. And Seth Rogen. Yeah, Seth Rogen. Louis C.K. Oh, yeah. He's made his comeback. There's been many folks who... and. Who, they have a big enough following to say that they are funny, right? Who, who have no problem doing it. It just gets to, a, a, as a lot of folks are tired of hearing people use that as their crutch. They go to, it's the cancel culture. It's, we're too woke. It's that woke folks. And I, I can't tell my jokes anymore because of them. I'm going to get canceled. Man, you weren't making it anyway. But I guess people in general like to look for these crutches or, or things. And maybe not want to look themselves in the mirror to see why you're not making it. Cat Williams saying, bruh. It just wasn't for you. Yeah. Ugh. The cancel culture is exhausting. Even the discussion about it. Mm-hmm. They've tried to cancel Cat Williams and he's still here. So I guess what he's saying is, you ain't got me yet. All right. Black excellence. Did you watch the NFL draft? I watched some of it. I was suckered into it. You want to know why? Because every Friday, uh-huh. I watch two shows. Okay. Shark Tank uh-huh. and 2020. Okay. And I could not watch either because... The draft was on. Bum, 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 bum. And they did not have any re-airing or anything else <laughs> who were just subjected to the draft. I care, but I don't care about the draft. Uh, but I do care of seeing what new products are out because I love intellectual property and I think that show is cool. Sure, I, I enjoy watching the draft. I've, I've well, no, it. I don't like Josh and Draft. That was about Shark Tank. I know it was. I'm oh, you know. Okay. I enjoy watching the draft. I've watched it before in the past. I've watched all three days before in the past. I like to see the young men who get up there. They're excited. You can see their passion, especially in the first round, right? You like to see how excited they are. There's pageantry, if you want to, with the different outfits and seeing their reactions to being drafted. So I like to see folks who've been working for this moment for pretty much all their life. Mm-hmm. They're getting to the pinnacle of where they've been trying to get. And then there's always the folks who are sad because they didn't get drafted where they thought they were going to get drafted. Oh, they have them on there too? Some people are where the draft is happening. They have a little a green room and they're kind of sitting there waiting for their name to call. And, and they don't come and you, you watch there, them? There are times where it's like a train wreck. The cameras keep cutting to them like, yeah, here's blah, blah, blah. And Ooh. they never get drafted the whole well, night. That, that first night when the big money is there. And so they may come back for the second night and see if they get the second round or third round and you never know where they fall but a lot of times folks fall. has anybody not got drafted mm, that was supposed to be first round right not that i can remember off the top of my head okay there was one young man this go around who should have been first round he went in the third round if he went first round he would have had 25 million where he went in the third round he's going to get five million which is nothing to sneeze at but when you see that difference of a day basically that's a big difference so you telling me that the whole time we don't see anybody that did not get drafted at all there's always yeah no okay well that they should have shown shark tank in 2020 not everybody shows up there but they will have cameras in different people houses so you could see some folks who've been waiting for a bit and they're not there they have cameras at their house and like yeah we're waiting to see what happens this that and the third and some folks are smart enough to be like you know what nah i don't need any cameras around me because if i don't make it i am not trying to seem like that sad person on the show because you know i didn't get drafted so my cousin got drafted hey who's your cousin that's not the point my cousin uh-huh. got drafted 
Thank you know, we all related. Uh-huh, yeah. Okay, well. Go ask I can, your cousin for a loan then. See what happens. I'm going to try my four cousins, my HBCU grad cousins that got drafted. They were drafted into the NFL. One of them played at Fayetteville State. Mm-hmm. You might know him. He's Joshua Williams. He was selected by the Kansas City Chiefs. Okay. He was the 135th pick overall in the fourth round. And then my other cousin. Mm-hmm. South Carolina State cornerback, Jacoby Durant, he was actually awarded the MIAC Defensive Player of the Year, mm-hmm. and he was selected by the LA Rams, and he was the 142nd overall pick. Then my other cousin, he went to Jackson State. He's an outside linebacker. His name is James Houston the fourth, and he was actually the Newcomer of the Year, and he got selected by the Detroit Lions, uh, the 217th pick. And then last, my other cousin, he went to Southern University. Okay. He was the offensive lineman, Jatire Carter. All right. Yeah, he went to Chicago Bears, 226 pick. Hey. Yeah. Right. And why this is a big deal is that last year there was no HBCU players even drafted. Right. And is this part of the Dion effect? Okay, but let's talk about the other reason why this is special. Because four of my cousins got in. You going to text them congratulations? Did you, did you text them congratulations? I'll do that later. No, we can do it now. No, I'll do that later. Fact, we can record Because video. everybody right now is probably texting and stuff. I just want to make sure mine no, is special. Because it was last week, so they, they've been texting and talked to already. So It was, it was it, just it, Friday. It, it was just nothing even a week ago. It was a week ago. It wasn't a week ago. It was six days ago. Okay. So you can act that way if you want to, but... I'm going to do it on the anniversary, the one-week anniversary. Cool. I will get to him. So you late. No, I'm on time. Oh, God yeah. will make you late to be on time. Oh, you trying to find a phone number, whatever. Okay. Yeah, shout out to them for, for making it this year. Dion tweeted congratulations to them as well. But Go fam. This is what he has been working on, not just for Jackson State, but for other HBCUs. You know, he pushed for the HBCU Combine and Pro Day. And remember, he called all the teams out who didn't come to the pro day uh, that, that they did down in Jacksonville that had various other schools there with them. Matter of fact, speaking of Dion, he's helping another school get upgraded facilities. Not even at Jackson State. Wow. Another HBCU that he saw the shape that they were in. Uh-huh. And he's working to help them upgrade their facilities. So it's good to see HBCUs thriving. Are these kids showing, hey, you can have a chance to make it to the league. You want to know what else happened? My cousins got drafted. That is a big talent pool that we have mm-hmm. in our family. That's what Do it is. Do you see this? You can't even. Do you see this? You didn't even congratulate them. I did. Do you hear me talking about them? Uh, okay. Just now. Okay. So you're not even going to like. Okay. It was Mississippi Valley State is where Tion is helping them. And you know where my family's from? Mississippi. Uh-huh. I'm just trying to say, like, put it all together. This is my family. Okay. I, 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 you don't I, see it. I, it's fine. I, I, I hear you. The world going to see it. I hear you doing the that world stretch. The going to see it. You do yoga? Because the way you stretching this is like... <laughs> Yo. <laughs> All right. But last but not least in Black Excellence, we want to shout out Derrick Henry, who became the part owner of the Nashville soccer team. But he is actually the fourth NFL player. I didn't know this. To become part owner of a major league soccer team. Did you know that? You knew that. So you're shaking your head like, oh, yeah, I knew that. Yeah. I, you know, Russell Wilson uh, and Sierra's one of them. Okay. I believe Marshawn Lynch has some up in Seattle as well. Uh, I can't remember the third. But, yeah, soccer.
soccer teams have been the thing. The thing. I guess there's a lot more of those popping up that you can get a chance to get ownership in. It's hard to get ownership in. Of course, they couldn't do a football team because they're, they're playing. And, you know, basketball teams don't come up like that or baseball teams. So you try to get into a good investment where you can. Right. Well, he is joining the ownership group alongside Reese Witherspoon, you know, the actress, and media venture capitalist Jim Toth. This is a really cool portfolio expansion for him. Also, correction, Marshawn Lynch, NHL. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Congratulations to him and the city of Nashville, especially having a black man in the boardroom. I always love to see it. And also as an owner, we can definitely give him his kudos and distinguish this as black excellence. Yeah. He's trying to set up generational wealth when he's done playing football. Yes, he is. He can still make some money. Right. Well, unfortunately, we have reached the end of our show. But before we do, I do want to finish with a little bit of housekeeping. Mm -hmm. Just a reminder that you can catch our podcast on various platforms and to keep in touch with us on social media as well. So let me go through social media first. We are on Instagram and Facebook at The Grapevine Talk on Twitter at The Grapevine ATS. Then you can find our podcast, the full podcast, on Podbean, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, FM Player, Pandora, TuneIn, Listen Notes, and Apple Podcasts. And I think that's all we got for today. What do you got? you have anything else? Any parting words? I forget. Oh, that's good. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what? Those are the words of Marjorie Taylor Greene. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's also a victim. So, yes, that too, but that's, that's her also she forgets. She forgets a, yes. a lot of what she said or did. My parting words is go vote. There we go. Oh, if, yes. If you, if you didn't participate in early voting, go vote. And my parting words today is stay cool. It's going to be hot. So, hey, stay cool. Chill out. <laughs> anyway, well, thank you for listening. You have listened to The Grapevine. We thank you for listening. We'll check in with you next week. Bye. <laughs> Ha, ha, ha.